So you know, some of you are hearing nothing but wop, wop, wop. Is he going to play a Star Wars clip? That's all you're thinking. Enjoy. <laughs> rebel that surrendered to us. Although he denies it, I believe there may be more of them, and I request permission to conduct a further search of the area. He was armed only with this. Good work, Commander. Leave us. Conduct your search and bring his companions to me. Yes, my lord. The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor... I actually have more of that, but you're way too interested in that right now. And I was thinking, I wish my home TV had the bass that this does here to listen to that. There's a couple things in there. Uh, one that's totally irrelevant, has nothing to do with anything, but it's actually one of the glitches in that movie that happened more than once. That was back, you know, long time ago, 80s, when they didn't have all the computer graphic stuff. And when Darth Vader walks out of that ship and gets on level ground and walks, I didn't know if you noticed, his head goes this much through the ship <laughs> and they weren't able to correct that without so much work so now you have to watch it again sometime and watch his head do that um, the other the other thing that's not really the primary thing in that clip that I wanted you to, to notice but it was interesting we don't know too much when you watch the series of Star Wars um, especially if you watch you know four and five and six we don't know a whole lot about the Emperor all we know is that that name invokes incredible fear and we see Darth Vader and how powerful he is and all the things that happens and all the things he does and yet he's subservient to someone and kind of scared of someone too um, because that just that name we hear that name the emperor and it's kind of a huge thing but I think of, of when I hear um, when, when I watch that clip and I hear Luke say Anakin Skywalker because that's who Darth Vader is and he says that name is dead to me and you know, there is something about a name. You know, we say, what's in a name? In fact, you could, on your, in your worship folder, there's an outline. You can follow along. You could even, above the title, you could even write, this is really what it's titled. What's in a name? What's in a name? And Darth Vader used to be Anakin Skywalker, and he said, that name is dead to me. I can't do James Earl Jones, but he says, that name is dead to me. And it's interesting because imagine had that not happened. Darth Vader might not be as intimidating if they still called him Annie. <laughs> Here comes Annie. <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. It's, it would be a whole different thing. Um, Darth Vader invokes much fear. Their, names are important. Names are 
more important and especially important in the Bible because almost every single time they mean something. It's a big deal. And, and what we're going to talk about today is the authority of Jesus. There is something in that name, Jesus. We've talked about this before. You can be a, a sports hero and do something amazing and say, I give God the glory and everybody goes, cool. Mention Jesus and see what happens. There's something about that name. It is a name like no other name on earth. There is no other name as powerful as the name of Jesus. It's, it, it, uh, just let me read a couple of verses for you. In Acts 4.12, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's one way, and it's that name, Jesus. In Philippians 2, it says, At the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, that name is above all names. That name has ultimate authority. God has given Jesus ultimate authority. So when we're in this series on spiritual warfare and you're going through difficult times, and you're going through some kind of oppression or problem, and you know that it's not a physical battle, you know there's a spiritual battle going on, you think, I would like some of that authority, right? Well, you know what? Claiming the authority of Jesus, here's where it starts. It absolutely starts with your decision and your declaration that Jesus Christ is absolutely Lord of your life. That's where it starts. That means surrender of your will. That means complete submission to His will. It means complete obedience to His leading. You say, I want to do it my way, but I want Jesus' authority in my life to take care of things. It doesn't work that way. We do things His way, submit to His leading. And if you've made that decision for Jesus to be Lord of your life, the question is, how do you claim that incredible authority of Jesus' name on a daily basis in your life, the YBH. Lola sent me a text this week. Whenever she prays for me, she texts me and and says she's praying for me. And you can't imagine how many times there's been something going on when I got that text that I needed it. But it was funny. This this week I got a text that said, um, I just saw a license plate and I thought of you. The license plate said YBH. (laughs) I love it. YBH. That's, that's, That's what I think every single Sunday, YBH. Yes, but how? It's not enough to tell you the yes. I got to tell you the how. So how do we get the authority of Jesus on a daily basis? Three ways, three ways today to claim Jesus' authority in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. Here's the first one. Pray in the name of Jesus. Now, I know some of you, you didn't say it out loud, but it was like, duh. There's more to it than this. We're going to scratch the surface today, but there's way more to it than this. But when we pray, we are praying in the name of Jesus, the one who has ultimate authority. Here's what John 14 says. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And I think of that. I don't know what specific he's talking about, but he did some pretty incredible things when he was here. He said, we'll we'll do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. 
more incredible things will happen after Jesus left than when he was here, he said. You can ask for anything, but here's the key, in my name. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And there have been few verses that have been more abused than this verse. I need a new suburban in Jesus' name. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't mean if you tack that to the end of your prayer, Jesus said, oh, I wasn't going to give him that, but I guess I have to because he said, in my name. It doesn't work that way. Here's how it works. A name represents a person. It represents that person's authority, right? Like, like you sign a check. It's an assurance that got the money to back it up. That's the authority of the name. When, when the president signs an order or a bill, it becomes legally binding because there's authority behind that name. Here's where it gets, uh, it, it's, not, it's not weird, it's just not everybody likes it. You see, Jesus, does God answer prayer? Yes. Does he, does he answer prayer every time? Yes. He just doesn't always answer it with a yes. He can answer it with a no. Or he can answer it with a not yet. But he still answers it. But here's, here's when we pray in Jesus' name, here's, here's what you need to hear. The only prayer that moves heaven into action is the prayer that starts in heaven, in the mind of God. Because you are so close to Jesus that your heart beats like his heart beats, like we sang about today. And what we're really doing when we're close to Jesus and praying in his name is we're closing that circuit when, when we pray in faith that started in heaven. We pray in the name of Jesus for the things that God already wants to do. See, here's what too many people miss. You may, and I think this is even on your outline, this may be the only reason you come today to hear this. Some of you just need to hear this. We don't need more authority. We need more intimacy. Because Jesus has all the authority you'll ever need. He has all the authority in heaven, on earth, in this age, and the age to come. And we don't need more authority if we have Jesus. We need more intimacy. That's why I brought my cup up here today. Jesus, coffee, repeat. Jesus, coffee, repeat. You know when you can stop doing that? Never. Someday we get to do it face to face. Until that time, we do that every day. We get close to Jesus. Praying in Jesus' name, that's what that means. I'm close enough to him that I'm feeling his heartbeat. I see what he wants, and when I pray for what he wants and it happens, I can give him the glory, and when I pray for what I want and it doesn't happen, I can say, oh, I guess that was just me. Getting closer to Jesus to know his heart, to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. That's what he said about David. That's what I want him to say about me. That's what I want him to say about you. There's a man, there's a woman after my own heart. And you'll see incredible things happen because that's one of the ways we claim authority, the authority of Jesus in our life, is to be close enough to him to pray those things in his name. The second way to claim Jesus' authority in your life, number two, serve in the name of Jesus. Serve in the name of Jesus. Because it's not just about living for Jesus in his name. It's also about living for others in the name of Jesus. Remember, loving God and loving others. When we, when we serve in the name of Jesus, 
That's how we can get his authority in our life. In Colossians 3, there's a, there's a passage in Colossians 3 I want to read for you, starting in verse 17. Um, and we're going to kind of pause after each phrase because I need to explain a little bit. It says, let every detail in your lives. That's, uh, I love this in the message paraphrase. Every detail in your lives, the words, the actions, whatever, every detail in your lives be done in the name of the master, Jesus thanking God the Father every step of the way. He said, there is no part of your life that should not be done in the name of Jesus. Everything should be done in the name of Jesus. Every area of your life, every detail of your life. And then he gives the four instances. The first one he says is this, wives, understand and support your husbands. I'm going to get in trouble here because some of you are going to check out when you hear this. Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. I'm not stopping because I want to really belabor that point because it's really important why you need to get this. It is. One of the reasons is this is one of the areas that will be most difficult. And most, most women that are honest will say, yeah, understanding and supporting my husband is one of the most difficult things because he can be a moron. It's tough sometimes to do that. You'll notice it doesn't say... It doesn't say support, understand, respect him when he's a good guy or when he's respectable. It just says, here's your job. It's a hard job. We know that. But do that in ways that honor the master. It's not about your husband. It's about Jesus. Now, I understand that there are some husbands who they they don't earn respect. They don't earn honor. They, they should be in jail. And actually, I'm, that's, that wasn't a hyperbole, <laughs> exaggeration. They should be. It's not saying, women, to be a doormat. It's not saying put yourself in a place where you're going to get hurt or there's going to be trouble. That's not what it's saying. It says do this in ways that honor the master. That would not honor the master. There are some times when the best thing to do is to get away and to get out. We understand that. And we do everything we can to help in those situations. But for the most part, most wives, it said you should be understanding and supportive of your, of your husbands by submitting to them. Now, husbands don't get off the hook because the very next thing he says is to husbands. And it says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives and don't take advantage of them. You see, if the husbands did that, the wives could do their thing way easier If the wives did their thing, the husband could do his thing way easier. Do you see how that works? If one or the other says, I'm not doing it, the other one has a harder job. When they both do it, it works better, but they're not doing it for any, they're doing it for the main reason of, in Jesus' name, to honor Jesus. He says, go all out in your love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. And I believe that this is not the first time in Scripture this comes up. In, in, in Ephesians 5, it says, um, husbands love your wives. And, you know, it doesn't ever tell the wife to love her husband. Is she supposed to? Yeah. It just comes a little easier for her. You don't have to say that as much. He tells the wife to respect her husband. Should the husband respect his wife? Yes. But the wife's going to have more trouble with that. That's actually part of the curse. He says, wives, you do that. Husbands, you do this. And your relationship will be better than you can ever imagine. Because we both have that job. But we do it in Jesus' name. And then children, kids, you don't get off the hook here. 
Do what your parents tell you. Unless, of course, they tell you to do something that's against what's in the Bible. That's kind of, in all of these settings, that's what it means to honor God and doing it in the, in the name of the Master. But kids, when your parents tell you to do something and it's not against what's in the Bible, you know what you have to do? What they told you. It says, it says, this delights the master to no end. And the master in this case is not your dad saying, do this. The master is God. It's Jesus. When kids obey their parents, it delights Jesus to no end. Parents, you don't get off the hook either. Kids have to listen. Kids can listen way easier if parents do what they're supposed to do. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. I struggle with this. I struggled with this a lot as a parent because I wanted perfection. Don't do that. You know, and, and Julie would constantly tell me, you don't have to pick on every little thing. I know I'm trying not to, but I don't want this little thing to become a big thing and then to end up you know, on the 10 most wanted. And it's like, okay, <laughs> it's a cookie. Forget about it. Not that big a deal. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. All of this is in the name of Jesus. And the next section is kind of, it's kind of different because their setting was different than ours. Their setting was they lived in, in a time of slavery. And the, the best thing, according to the Bible, was for that not to be, but it was. And so he says, servants, here's how you're supposed to live when, when you're in that situation. And this is, to me, this is just a direct comparison to you and whatever you do for a job. Because I know there's a lot of people who think in their jobs that they are the slave and the boss is the master. I understand that. I get that. Here's what it tells us to do. So in your work, that's how you can translate this. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. And here's the hard part. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. You're not doing it just the minimum so that they told you to do this and you did this. What he's saying is when he tells you to do this, do this, and maybe maybe go a little bit extra. Not so they can see you. Nobody may ever know that you did that. You just do that. Not the minimum that will get you by. He says, do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, or in our case, for your real boss, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. When we do the right thing, we know that the end will be good. It may not be great here every single time, but the end will be good. It says, keep in mind that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. And in every one of those situations, when, when you're one of those roles and you say, that's a really tough one, that's why we keep in mind the ultimate master is Christ. We do what he's asked us to do because ultimately we're serving Jesus. That's what it means to serve in the name of Jesus. That's what it means to do the thing. The, the point is whatever that thing is, whatever the, the sphere in, in which you live your life, you live it in the name and authority and for the honor of Jesus. That's how we live life. So you serve your spouse for Jesus' sake. You serve and obey your parents for Jesus' sake. You serve your boss. You obey your government for Jesus' sake. See, you can't claim that Jesus is absolutely Lord of your life 
when you are unwilling to submit to God-given authority and to serve other people on his behalf. Can't say he's Lord of your life if you're not willing to do that because you are agents of the work Jesus wants to do through you in his name. We're the ones who get to do that by doing all of it in his name. So we pray in the name of Jesus getting closer to him, making sure that it's an intimate personal relationship so that we feel his heartbeat. I love the verse in, I think it's in Psalm, where, where he, he, he says, guide me with your eye. And, and I remember reading that for the first time and, and, and understanding exactly what it meant. When you're close enough to somebody, they don't have to give you a big, long speech. They can just, here, they, they move their eyes and you know exactly what they want you to do. That's how close I want to be to Jesus so that I get it and I follow him. So we pray in the name of Jesus, serve in the name of Jesus. The third way to claim Jesus' authority in your life, that authority that moved heaven and earth and raised him from the dead. How do we get that? Battle in the name of Jesus. And many here are in a battle right now. You think it's a physical battle and it's really a spiritual battle. So how do we battle in the name of Jesus? We've talked about this in this series before. Every single day, put on the armor of God. Find a way to get that in front of you so that you say those things back to Jesus every single day. Put on the armor of God. Get ready for battle because you're stepping out into it every single day. And we want to be dressed and ready for battle. And every day, know that the closer you are to Jesus, the more victory you will experience in your life. I want to say that again because that is so incredibly important. The closer you are to Jesus, the more victory you will experience in your life. You understand that means the farther you are from Jesus, the less victory you will experience. You say, go to church. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about having an intimate relationship with Jesus and being close to him. There's a fascinating story in the Bible. It has some very interesting things um, uh, that, that Luke recorded for us in the book of Acts. In Acts 19... Here's what it says. There were some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits. Now, there, there have been evil spirits since the beginning. They have inhabited people who don't know Jesus. They have had incredible uh, power in those people's lives. Does that still happen today? Absolutely, yes, it does. Does it happen in our country all the time? Not as much. In Washington, D.C., it appears to happen a lot. <laughs> But in most other places, it doesn't happen quite as much. But there are areas around the world where things that happen, your jaw would just drop. I had a friend who um, uh, was a missionary in Africa. And he said they went into this little village and they had a tower. It was like two or three story tower, kind of hut kind of tower thing. And I don't even remember what the purpose of it was, but there was a guy in that town who was possessed. He was demon possessed. And he would climb up that tower, three stories, and jump off, hit the ground, blood all over, get back up, and start causing havoc in the town. And they, they cast this demon out of this guy, and he went from being this thing that he was to perfectly sound mind. Now, we don't see that that often in America. And one of the reasons is, is because that's not the tactic that works best in this country. The tactic that works best in that country, in this country, is for you to be experiencing something and not even know he's behind it. 
that you think it's your friend or your neighbor or your spouse or your boss or your, your coworker or, or somebody else. And you don't realize what's happening. But in Jesus' time, this was all over the place. And it says these Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus... Now, they'd seen Jesus drive out spirits. They'd seen Paul, in Jesus' name, drive out spirits. So they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. That's what these guys said. Now, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? The story goes on. It tells us who these people were. There were seven of them. Seven sons of a guy named Sceva, who was a Jewish chief priest. These were the guys who were doing this. I I love how this story goes. In verse 15, one day, the evil spirit answered them. I think that's, I think a lot of people who do this spirit thing, that if the demon really answered them, they'd freak out. So these guys are doing this in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And one day the demon answered him. And I love his answer. Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, there's seven of them, jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I I think this story is fascinating. You have these guys, they're doing it in Jesus' name, right? They're doing it in Jesus' name, whom Paul preaches. That's, that's where the authority is in Jesus' name. Here's the problem. They didn't know Jesus. These Jews traveled from town to town and they made a living by claiming to heal people and drive out demons. And I'm just saying, there's a lot of good preachers on TV. There's a lot of preachers on TV that would be like these guys. Charlatans. They're trying to get your money. They're trying to make it sound like God wants you to have everything now. He wants you to have that new car and that new house. And it's like, okay, play that message in Ethiopia or Rwanda and tell me what those people think about that message. Because that's not the message of the Bible. And there's a lot of people on that, that are TV and radio preachers that are in it for the money. They're charlatans. They're trying to get you to do something so that they can have the new car and the new house. That's what they're really concerned with. And that's what these guys were doing. They were running from town to town claiming to do this. And it really, you know, if somebody was having this issue and they did this, how do you know that the guy's okay now? They could walk out and say, see, everything's good. That'll be, you know, $9.95. We take Visa. And what they would do is they would often recite a whole list of names in, in these incantations to be sure of including the right deity. And so they'd list all kinds of deities' names as they did this. And here, they're trying to use Jesus' name in an effort to match Paul's power. And what happens is they use the name of Jesus as if it's like some magical thing. If I just say, in the name of Jesus, everything will happen. But they didn't have a relationship with him. They didn't have the indwelling power of the Spirit. Because that's what it's about. You see... You can't fake it. We try. But you can't fake it. You can't do battle and win without an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You can't just use the magical phrases. You can't just say, I go to church, I'm in a small group, I I serve, I do this in Jesus' name, and, and you lose the battle and you can't figure out why. And the reason is, is because you're not close to him. That's where it comes from. A relationship with Jesus. You see, you can't do battle without that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't fight as an imposter and expect to have a victory. You can't do that. So here's the question. Do you have a personal knowledge of Jesus and a personal relationship with him? Because you won't win the battle without that. And you say, yep, I'm a believer. I claim Jesus and I'm a follower of him. Is it a personal relationship? Is it personal knowledge? Are you going on a decision that you made a year ago or five years ago or 50 years ago? Or is it new and fresh and vital today because you spent time with him? You did coffee, Jesus, repeat this morning like you have done every morning. Because that's where the victory comes from. When you adore him, when you focus on him, when you live under his lordship, you win. That's what I know. That's what the Bible teaches. We pray, we serve, we battle in the name of Jesus. I I tell you, when I hear that name, it does something to me. When I hear somebody say, Jesus, it just does something to me. We were at the at the conference this, this summer. And it's a big church, big building. But they, they have all these LED walls behind that show all the words and you know all the fancy stuff. And it's cool. I like seeing the moving stuff. I like and I like that. It, re- it greatly enhances my my worship experience, my relationship with God. I'll tell you the thing that completely blew me away is during one song, all of the words went away, all of the pictures went away, and in ten foot letters across the back of the stage, it just said, Jesus. And I thought, that's all we need. You want victory? You need Jesus. An intimate, personal relationship with him. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, there's many here who they know about you, but they don't know you. And my prayer is this morning they would realize that sin has separated us from you, and it's not about church or religion or rules or regulations or requirements or, 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 or rituals. It's about a relationship with you. And then in simple faith today, anyone who doesn't know you would just say, Jesus, today I recognize I need you. As we read earlier, you are the only way to God, the only way to heaven. So, In my limited understanding and my limited faith, I turn to you. I give my life to you today. I want to claim you as my Lord and Savior, knowing that that's where the victory will come from. And Father, for those here who already have that relationship with you through Jesus, my prayer is that all of us who know you, our prayer would be, I want to know you better and love you more. I want to be closer to you. I want that relationship to be more intimate. I want you to be able to guide me with your eye. I want to follow you knowing that's where the victory is. So I can pray in your name. So I can serve in your name. So I can battle in your name and have that authority and victory. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
perfect song to end this with. Let me share with you Ephesians 1, not the whole thing. Anyhow, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked. Above every name, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You see, we don't need more authority. We need more intimacy. We need to be closer to the one that offers that power. That's claiming the authority of Jesus so that you can serve, so that you can pray, so that you can battle in his name. Next week, weather permitting, one service, 1030. If you have claimed Jesus as Lord and Savior and never been baptized, or you were baptized and you hadn't claimed him as Lord and Savior yet, and since then you have become a follower of Jesus and want to get baptized, because if you don't know Jesus and you get baptized, you know what it's called? Getting wet. It's really, that's all it is. Once you're a follower of Jesus and you're dunked, you're picturing his death, burial, and resurrection and telling everybody, I'm one of his. So if you've never done that, we would love to have you become a part of that next week. There's a sign up next week, one service, 1030. I am so glad to be back. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that your desire is to have that intimacy with us. I pray that our desire would be to know you better and love you more every day so that we can have that intimacy and pray in your name so that we can serve and help others in your name and so that we can fight this battle every day in your name. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.